0: Well, good day one and all. This is uh, your host, Paul Purdue, and this is the show Talking Antiques. And of course, I'll have to say my Irish saying, Cave Mila Falchiff, which is 100,000 welcomes. And you're listening to the show on 1350 WZGM, Independent National Radio. And I have a Facebook page called Talking Antiques. Please go onto to that page. And my producer here is Matt. And how are you today, Matt? Doing very well. Thank you you had um, you and the weather uh, i i did uh, since the last time we talked since the mm. last time we talked i got to go out sailing for a bit in south carolina so it was okay. great yeah sailing yeah well, i did that a long time ago nearly drowned but the you know we irish we're an island nation we eat very little fish and we hardly do any sailing So it's sort of funny in that respect. Anyway, before we get started into the show, uh, I'd like to uh, thank my sponsors, which is Village Antiques. And you know, Village Antiques is a beautiful place to go to if you're interested in one item, a hundred items, you know, a wedding present, you know, a gift for your favorite person, your partner, whatever. Village Antiques is there to help you. It can be for silver, gold. It can be for painting, jewellery, yeah, furniture. American furniture, which we all know is good. Italian, North Italian, country French, English. And, of course, he has the odd little piece of Irish. If I can find it, I have to go in and dig looking for it. But he has it all. And if you go down and you talk to, to David and if you talk to Terry, they will definitely help you. So... Go down to Village Antiques, which is on seventy-seven fifty-five Biltmore Avenue. And you can go to their webpage, which is villageantiquesonline.com and tell them that the Irishman sent you. Well, the last show we talked about um, tables. You know, we talked about tripod tables and we talked about pie crust tables. And somebody said to me, You know, you you talked a little bit about the pie crust, but we didn't understand what that meant. Well, I'm just going to go a little bit over that again. A pie crust table, if you look at it, it's sort of like an apple pie, where the old days where they would, you know, where they get to the end of the pie crust, get a fork and they squinch it up around the edge. And in the old days, what they used to do was that, it was for two reasons. One, so nothing would slip off it, and two, it was pretty decorative because when you tip up the table and put it into a corner you had this beautiful veneer it could be rosewood it could be or it could be solid wood but it could be rosewood it could be uh, walnut english walnut in the americas it could be black walnut could be cherry could be any of these very fine woods that they've used and the pie crust was always uh, an original, as I said in the last show, the, the an original pie crust table would be carved out of the one piece. Where later editions or reproductions or copies of that would be, you know, where they would make the pie crust and add on the wood around the edge and then carve it out. And in some cases that was much easier. And then as the Industrial Revolution got on, the, the, a machine, an overhead router or something like that, would carve that carve that out and then a craftsman would finish it off and put the, the little marks here and there. So uh, that's the reason why it's called a pie crust table, purely because it looked like the top of an apple tart or um, a rhubarb tart or something like that. So I hope that sort of uh, clears that up a little bit. Now... One of the pieces I want to talk about, and it's, it, it is a piece called a Davenport. Now, a Davenport is a is an unusual piece. And people say to me, why is it called a Davenport? Well, it's called a Davenport because a Captain Davenport went into a cabinet shop. Well, actually, he went into uh, Gillows of Lancaster. And uh, he... Uh, they were famous up until about the 1920s, 30s. They were an exceptionally good uh, craft shop. The furniture was of exceptional quality. And I've had the pleasure of working and restoring a few of their pieces over, over my time of restoration. And I actually bought one or two not knowing. But they used to stamp the inside in secret places that stamped their name, Gillows of Lancaster. And when you find that the price would sort of double from what it would be to what it would end up being because of just that, of that name. And this captain, you know, in the, in the old sailing ships, like Matt was talking about sailing, but his was only a little one. But, you know, in the old days, the captain would would have a, you know, the cabinet would be so small. And he wanted something where he could write, like it have a little school desk, a slant top on it, But he wanted to be able to lift it up and put stuff in. Because, you know, when the sailing ship rough seas, things will fall over. But he had only one particular place to put it in. So the only way that he could have drawers in it was that the drawers would have to be on the side. Uh, Something like the sofa table. They'd have fake drawers, fronts on one side, but the drawers would be on the other side. Maybe have caviar legs, turnings on the front. The front legs might be turned. And the top would lift up. Some pieces would have, um, some Davenports would be a little bit higher up and they'd have a a lip where you would put your stamps in it and your pens in and stuff like that. And they were made out of uh, walnut, rosewood. They were made out of, um, on the American side, they would have been made out of cherry and they would have been veneered in um, uh, bird's eye maple. And Birdseye maple eye maple over here has been used a lot more than it would be used in, in Europe. But for the interiors, bird's maple was always used here. And somebody says, well, why is it called bird's maple? Why do you think it's called bird's maple, Matt? Uh, I have no idea, actually. <laughs> I actually, I shouldn't <laughs> the, have the done The color, maybe? No, no, I shouldn't have done that at Matt. He was uh, making sure I was doing everything right. If you look at bird's eye maple, it has thousands of little knots in it, like looks like the, the eyes of a bird. Now, see, I did, I've never been able to get close enough to a bird to see that. So. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> and um, now that's Matt being just funny there. Okay. But, it, and somebody said, well, you know, we, we come across maple that doesn't have any bird's eyes. How does that happen? Well, you only get the bird's eye on the north side of the maple tree because of the cold weather uh, that's hitting it, particularly the further north you go and the maples that are growing, that's where you get the most chisest bird's eye maple. and So you'll, you'll only get bird's eye on the north side of a, of a maple tree. The further north you go, the more extinct it will be, the much more fancier you would get it. But in, in America, uh, the... Uh, the uh, Davenport death would have been done like that, but in in Europe, it it was uh, considered to be and uh, it was considered to be an unusual thing. So it became very popular in England, and then that's how it became the name. That's how the, it got the name of being called Davenport because of a Captain Davenport went into Gillard of Lancaster, with a little design. Now, there is another uh, piece of furniture that is named after uh, something, and it's called a Canterbury. And it's a piece of furniture that holds sheets of music. And it was made for the Archbishop of Canterbury. He came in with a design. He wanted to have something for his hymns and books, and he came in with a design. And that's how a Canterbury got its name. So we will will continue on. And the. The other half of the show about uh, on furniture and other things. Remember to uh, listen to us on thirteen fifty WZGM Independent National Radio and on our Facebook page, uh, Talking Antiques. And please leave your uh, you know your ideas and what what you want to talk about and any questions you want to have. Don't be afraid to put it on the page, and um, we will talk to you when on the other second hand of the show. When you're down in Biltmore Village. Go up to 755 Biltmore Avenue. They are Village Antiques. It doesn't look like an antique shop, but when you go through them doors, you're going into another world of fine antiques. They have French, they have Northern Italian, and of course, American. So, if you're just buying one item or if you're buying a whole lot of items, please go into Village Antiques and tell David and Terry that you heard about them on the radio and they will look after you. Village Antiques, 755 Biltmore Avenue. Welcome back to the second half of our show, which is called Talking Antiques. And you're listening to us on 1350 WZGM, Independent Independent National Radio. And also you can follow up on our Facebook page called Talking Antiques. And we also do a podcast, so I have some podcasts on my uh, Facebook page that you can listen to the show if you don't, if you can't get a chance to hear it when, when it's being broadcast. Before we just start, I want to thank uh, Village Antiques for being my very kind sponsors. And please go down to Village Antiques on 755 Biltmore Avenue, Talk to David and Terry and tell them the Irishman sent you. Surely you can find something. Now, in the first half of the show, we talked about the Pycrest table. I just needed to go over that for somebody that was listening to the show. And um, we were talking about Davenports and a little bit about a Canterbury. On this side, on this part of the show, we're going to talk about uh, writing bureaus and writing bureaus come in all shapes and sizes and people sort of say, well, you know, writing bureaus are not a big thing now but they still are, you know, they, they cover three centuries, writing bureaus from the seventeen late 1600s all the way up to the 1950s so that is an awful long time to be sort of just dismissing the old writing bureau now, one of th- one of the things you you know you have different types of writing bureau. You have the block front chest on chest, and you have the block front bureaus, and you also have the break front bureaus. Some of them are called the uh, break front um, displays or cases like that, and and yeah, the whole idea of the break front is that it comes out, middle section comes out case and the two are the the other two are slightly in both the ones that we're going to be talking about is the ones with drawers in the front uh, of the, the bureau and its slanted top and um, you can get them in all types shapes and sizes and all periods and are made out of all woods the early ones would have been made out in particularly in the european end of it they would have been made out of oak if it was made for a, a big estate you know they would have went down and used the local the local numbers. then the f- the French would have used more elaborate style uh, kingwood veneers satin woods and ebony and uh, brass inlay tortoiseshell all of that uh, then the English went you know the different periods started off with um, softer styles and then they moved into more exotic styles and stuff like that so you can learn a lot about the history of 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 your country and the history of furniture just by looking at a a writing bureau, which or a slant top bureau or a roll top desk. You know the the nineteen twenties style roll top desk made out of oak, which is very popular in America. It's sort of like a writing bureau, it, because it rolls up. You have all your papers, all your pigeonholes. Well, a writing bureau is the same. And it normally has three or four drawers in in the front going all the way along. And then the slant top comes out and two bars come out of the side. And then you have your little writing compartmented there. Little doors with your letters and, and stamps and whatever. And in some very elaborate ones, you would have a side panel on the side of it. that, If you tap the side panel, it would open up and you'd have secret drawers. And I love finding things with secret drawers in them. And I actually have one at home, which is, is sort of like a... It was called a butler's chest. And it was called a butler's chest be- because it looked like, you know, that it went into a bedroom or something. It had the three, four sets of drawers. And then the top sort of came out a bit on, on turned legs, turned columns. And um, on the top of it there, the the drawer would come out. And you'd think that it was a big drawer. And then the, the front would... S- Drop down the front of the drawer would drop down. Inside you would have all the drawers and all the little doors and everything. And in the centre there would be a door that would be for putting in your specialty that have a lock on it and you would put in your valuables on but sometimes on each side of that there would be something that looked like a pillar and you'd have to go in right behind and tap on it and that pillar would move out and that would be a secret drawer. And I want to be on each side of that. And, um, you know, there has been some very creative ones. But one of the things I'd like to talk to you about is if you're interested in purchasing a writing bureau, you have to be very careful because a lot of writing bureaus were just made as a writing bureau. But some of them were made with, uh, with, you know, with a bookcase on top of it. Now, if you if you find one that's made from top to bottom with the glass doors, bookcase on it, made out of the one piece of lumber all the way down to the floor, well, you have really no problem with that. That was that was made out of one piece. That was made. But sometimes you will, you know, in some antique shops that, that are not rep- reputable, you have to be very careful. You have to know the knowledge of the piece. Not so much the piece that you're looking at, but you have to be willing to get down and look all around if the top is movable off the bottom. There's a a term in the antique trade, particularly in the European antique trade, called a marriage. And it could be a good marriage or it could be a bad marriage. Now, some people say, well, what, what, what do you mean, Paul, by a marriage? Well, to make a piece more valuable, it would it would have a bookcase on top of it. And sometimes what some of the dealers or some of the, the, what we call in Ireland, the chancellors would do, they would go and they would buy all the bureaus, writing bureaus, the bottom part of it, and then they'd go and look for, you know, just uh, the carcass on the top of it, the case on the top of it. And if they looked pretty similar, they would match the two of them together if it was made out of the same lumber, if it had something similar to the same d- design. And they would sell it as it was the top was meant to be with the bottom. Well the cabinet makers in in olden days copped on to that. They realized that they were being you know, that their pieces were being married. Um so what they used to do is they would put little secret things in to for you to recognize that the same cabinet maker that made the bottom part would be the same cabinet maker that made the top part and it might be a, uh, for two screws there one screw might be a, on the top carcass and the, the other screw might be on the bottom carcass uh, but it would be in such a in, in such a way that they would line up and you would know that that were made or some of them would, would put a, a little bit of veneer slightly different veneer in a corner both on the top and the bottom so that when you lined them up you would know that they were made little secret things that the cabinet makers would do to try and protect you know the their name. So if you're out and don't be afraid to ask the antique dealer, it does the top and the bottom belong to each other or are they a bad marriage or are they a marriage? And if it's a good antique dealer and an honest antique dealer they would tell you the truth. And you know, and if they don't know, if they if they say they don't know, I would walk away from the piece. I wouldn't buy it. And if I couldn't make it out. So that's one of the things that you it, that you need to do know about on writing bureaus, and they are a very functional piece of furniture. You can put them into any type of house, any type of of um, you know a small apartment. That's why the Davenport, going back to the Davenport, is such a collectible item nowadays because it can go. Originally, it was designed to fit into the small cabin. For the captain's quarters, but now can fit into the small area of uh, of of a house or a condo, or a small apartment where you don't have too much space, but you have all the advantages of having everything together, and working well. So, you are listening to it on thirteen fifty WZGM Independent National Radio. You can hear it on. Uh, you can look at it, look upon it on our facebook page called talking antiques and you can hear the podcast stuff would be on that as well and we will look forward to seeing you again next week